Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Breda Pest Management, the official pest control of UGA Athletics. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So not everybody's on Twitter. Not everybody, you know, kind of participates on that social medium. But I did put out a little bit of a message yesterday. And it's in relationship to something we've talked about a couple of days here on Dog Nation Daily. My sincere apology to some Georgia fans. If you'll remember on yesterday's show, and you should go back and check out uh, the full show yesterday if you missed part of it. Near the end, we played the reaction from Georgia fans to Tennessee beating Alabama on Saturday. There's this huge cheer that erupted. It kind of went out. And what we kind of question is, does it make sense for Georgia fans to be cheering for Tennessee that much in a game against Alabama? I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. We've done this now a couple of days. But we kind of debated this yesterday. And what I said on Twitter yesterday was, to any Georgia fan who did cheer for Tennessee in that spot, for any Georgia fan who wanted to see Alabama lose, I, I, I sent out a sincere apology yesterday for ever doubting the logic that went behind your choice because, in retrospect, watching Alabama lose really is about the most entertaining thing that you'll ever get a chance to see. It is hilarious. I have to admit this. It's, it's, it's really, really funny to uh, watch Alabama lose, and I don't, I don't mind telling you that. And I'm going to give you a couple of examples here. First of all, you probably have seen this by now. There is a massive conspiracy afoot in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. doesn't take much to get conspiracies going at a place like that, but there is a massive conspiracy that's just kind of running wild in the Yellowhammer State here right now. I want to show you this. I think we have the video here. This is from uh, Touchdown Alabama Magazine. Now, the question being asked here is, and we can just kind of let this play for a second. We can loop it if we need to. Uh, It says, did the head referee during the Alabama-Tennessee game celebrate Tennessee scoring a touchdown? And the caption says, you be the judge with eyeball emojis. Now, if you're listening radio podcast, we really try not to do too much around here that's video only because we obviously have, you know, great respect for our audio audience. But you got to see this. Many of you probably have. So the, the referee gives you the touchdown signal. And then when his hands come down, he kind of does a little bit of a fist, what, what appears to be to the Alabama fans, a little bit of a fist pump type thing. And in like classic conspiratorial fashion, the touchdown Alabama tweet here has kind of given you a slow motion. So you show the, the the referee there in real time, and then they do a slow motion deal of the referee bringing his hands down with his fist clenched as if he's celebrating the touchdown. And so that gives you an idea of just how ludicrous and just how nonsense all the Alabama fans, their reaction is to them losing. So to Georgia fans who had the premonition that this would be fun to see and fun to watch unfold over the course of the last few days, for one of many times I'm sure in my life I'll say this, you were right, I was wrong. This really is as much fun as you thought it would be, and I hope you're enjoying it as much as you figured you would because my guess is you probably are. But wait, that's not all. Did you know there's even more meltdown stuff going on? And this is kind of just starting to percolate, but it's popping off in a couple of different places here. And in a roundabout way, this kind of involves Georgia. And um, this is something that I think you're going to really, really like. Now, let me, let me before I kind of get into this, let me kind of get into uh, a quick aside here, and then we'll kind of get back to having fun again. Um, 
a lot of what we're about to say is going to be in relationship to Scott Cochran, who Georgia hired a couple of years ago to be its uh, special teams coach. A lot of you know Scott's been kind of going through a little bit of a personal journey right now that's taken him off the field from Georgia as an on-field coach. He's still around the Georgia program. I see him pretty frequently uh, after games, almost always has a big smile on his face when I see him. I know he's kind of talked a little bit about the journey that he's been on. So there is some stuff related to Scott Cochran that's obviously very serious and very, very far removed uh, from football. And I say this with all sincerity. I know many of you agree that we continue to pray for Scott. We're so happy that he's still around the football program. We hope that uh, you know every step that he takes from here on out is just as successful as the the recent steps have been. So there's an element of Scott Cochran's life right now that's more serious than football. We take that really, really seriously around here. He is genuinely, authentically in our prayers, and we mean that wholeheartedly. So, so let's not get what we're about to talk about twisted here because we're about to have some fun as it relates to Scott Cochran. But there's a very serious part of the Cochran story that we continue to root really, really hard for him on. Now that we've said that, let's make this fun again. When Georgia, Kirby Smart in particular, hired Scott Cochran away, how many Bama fans did you hear from who, after Cochran had been such an important part of that Alabama program? I mean, our buddy Mike Johnson, some of you have been with us for a long time, know Mike former Alabama player, All-American in Alabama, a colleague of mine. We used to do a show together called SEC Country Live. Uh, We still kind of pop up and do some stuff together from time to time. I mean, Mike will tell you that Scott Cochran was the most beloved figure in the Alabama program to a bunch of players. They kind of viewed him as their guy. He was the – their liaison to the other coaches, certainly to Nick Saban. Uh, Mike's kind of said he was the head coach of the offseason because coaches are limiting their contact. Guys like Mike Johnson and a million others – will tell you that Scott Cochran, who was hired away by Kirby Smart, was one of the most important figures at Alabama as both a strength and conditioning coach but also a spiritual leader for that organization. And yet when when Kirby hired him away, there were a bunch of Alabama folks, and by the way, some of you know these weren't just fans. Some of these were a little bit more you know high-up types who were like, good riddance. Let's get rid of that guy and his antiquated strength and conditioning style. Let's bring in a bunch of smart folks, a bunch of PhDs, a bunch of, you know, you know, cutting edge exercise science types. Let's do things in kind of a newfangled way. Scott Cocker doesn't know how to do that. He's just a rah-rah guy. He's coach, yeah, or whatever it was uh, that, that, you know, people would kind of say about him. Glad to have him gone here. And, you know, we kind of said at the time that, Scott Cochran clearly had a career ambition. He wanted to be a coach. And the fact that Nick Saban wasn't willing to give him any opportunity to grow professionally sort of speaks to what we believe about Nick Saban. He is unquestionably the greatest coach probably of all time. I'm not quite so sure there's enough evidence to say that Nick Saban's a good guy. If Saban was on trial for being a good guy, would there be enough evidence to convict him? I'm honestly not sure there would be. And I think the way in which he kind of handled the end of the Cochran era at Alabama may be an example of that. But Alabama fans didn't care. They hired some PhD, some you know uh, professor, some smart dude who's going to come down here, going to revolutionize uh, Alabama strength and conditioning. Suddenly, every injury that ever happened in the Alabama program was all Scott Cochran's fault. You remember this. Nick Saban himself kind of contributed to that some, and don't think we didn't notice that when uh, when Saban used that as one of his myriad excuses at any point in time that Saban's needed to push that button on all of that. Well, now, lo and behold, Alabama's losing to Tennessee on Saturday, and suddenly there are a lot of folks looking around saying, hold on, things used to be better around here. You know, what's different now than it used to be? 
Oh, yeah, Kirby Smart came in here and hired one of our guys a couple of years ago. Let me start with Paul Feinbaum from his radio show on Monday. If you're a Georgia fan, you're going to laugh at this. This is Feinbaum. But ultimately, and I know people don't want to hear me say that everything comes around to the man in charge, and decisions have been made. I mean, remember a couple of years ago when Scott Cochran went to Georgia, uh, everybody said uh, Alabama was much better off. They brought in these high-tech guys, uh, you know, with the GPSs on your wrist type of fella. I mean, sometimes you do need the raw emotion that uh, I wonder uh, if Alabama has lost a little bit of that edge. So I don't know if what Paul Feinbaum is saying is true or not. Now, I do think the way in which they fell all over themselves because they hired a bunch of smart dudes, a bunch of, you know, nerdy exercise geeks to come down here and, uh, and teach them how to do strength and conditioning right. I do think that was overblown from the start. We said that at the time. But the idea that somehow Georgia, Kirby Smart in particular, hiring Scott Cochran away has taken an edge away from Alabama, I don't know if that's true or not, but I hope it is. Boy, doesn't that sound great? The idea that Kirby Smart continues to damage Alabama just by being Kirby Smart and that a couple of years ago he took Scott Cochran away from that program and at the time Alabama fans were like, we don't care. Uh, we got these smart dudes. We got, the, we got these professors. We got these calculators going to come down here and, and, uh, and, and they're going to show us how to do science. They're going to come down here and do, do, start doing science. Um, and then later on you're like, hey, remember how tough we used to be? Remember how mean and nasty we used to be? Uh, you know, remember how um how how much of an edge we used to have we don't have that anymore what's different oh yeah we lost that scott cochran guy the guy that every alabama player of that era would have told you was critically important to the program all of a sudden now maybe that is the case by the way by the way by the way it's not just paul feinbaum who's saying this remember touchdown alabama magazine who had the conspiratorial video of the referee giving you the fist pump celebration Uh, they quoted a uh, Alabama receive former Alabama receiver the other day. <laughs> let me show you. <laughs> I just love it. Let me, let me show you this for a second. This is a uh, uh, former Alabama receiver. His name is Mike McCoy. Once again, quoted by Touchdown Alabama Magazine. They took a break from uh, trying to unearth the uh, referee gate conspiracy. To quote McCoy is saying this about the current state of college football. He says, it's the wild, wild west now. A lot of these kids are going to the highest bidder. So now that these schools have the same money as you, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do to be different? Are you going to revert back to your old ways? Now, listen, here's what he says. I, don't, I actually don't even really get the first part of that too much. But I guess what he's saying is these kids these days are hard to reach. He's, Alabama sort of reached the, you know, these kids these days uh, phase of their deliberations here. But McCoy's basically saying, all right, kids today, they're hard to reach. So his solution to this is this is a former Alabama player quoted uh, via Touchdown Alabama Magazine. He says, you better call Cochran because the sidelines look dead over there to me. Did it not look dead to you? Once again, that's uh, Mike McCoy, former Bama player, quoted by Touchdown Alabama Magazine, saying that he looks at that Alabama sideline and says it looks dead. And that Scott Cochran used to be the guy that was responsible for that not looking dead over there. And with Cochran now being at Georgia, Alabama's really missing something and Paul Feinbaum's kind of saying the same thing from his perspective there, too, of, ooh, Alabama's missing an edge, and hiring a guy like Scott Cochran away may be the thing that's taken Alabama's edge. My only point here is this. I don't know if it's true, but I hope it is. I love the idea that Kirby Smart, who, by the way, they have never played defense 
uh, the same way since Kirby left, and everybody knows that. Even Bama fans themselves are begrudgingly starting to admit that. Uh, so so that, the idea that all these years later, you know, Kirby's still kind of finding that way to damage that Bama program, still taking that edge away, taking that – it's not just the physical toughness that Alabama's lost. There is a certain level of mental toughness this program doesn't seem to have either. 17 penalties against Tennessee, probably the example of that. And who knows, maybe they find it before the year is done, they're still going to be ranked in the top whatever and have a chance to win the national championship. But something's different. Something just sort of appears to be different. And on this day, there's a handful of folks saying that Kirby Smart might have contributed to what has made Alabama different or maybe made him a little bit worse. And if you're a Georgia fan, I think you view that as pretty good news. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We are presented today by Breda Pest Management. We're happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us. Live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, on the radio at noon. Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref, uh, uh, Podcast, the Apple Player, Spotify, all kinds of ways for you to connect with us, and we are really happy to have you with us no matter how you do it. Just try to make the show as available in many different ways we can and let you choose which one makes sense for you. By the way, if you're watching on video, you see it right there. Hashtag go for two in 22. That's the mission that George is on right now. Big games loom as a way of getting that done. But that's where our focus is right now. It's Gator Hater first. It's go for two and 22 after that. And we are getting ready for all of it. And by the way, we have great sponsors that help us go on this journey each and every week, including our friends at Breda Pest Management. Now, Breda Pest Management is a great organization. A lot of you may know this. They're the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics. Now, dogs have a pest coming in in about three weeks' time. That's going to be the Tennessee Vols, and Georgia will be looking to extract them from the stadium with a loss, and that's the same kind of work that Breda Pest Management does all the time when it comes to termites and things like that, because if you think about a field surface the size of Sanford Stadium, on that space, there's room for like millions and millions of termites. And obviously, when it comes to your own home, especially in Georgia, where termites are just sort of a fact of life, you got to be ready for them. You got to have some sort of defense against them. Uh, no better defense than what Breda Pest Management provides. If you can fit that many on the field at uh, Sanford Stadium, imagine how many could be fit all around your house and how much damage they could do over the course of time. They are silent killers, silent destroyers when it comes to uh, your house there. So your friends, Breda Pest Management, want to protect you. Now, here's the thing. You may say, well, I've already got uh, pest control. I've already got somebody taking care of my termite stuff. Well, here's what I know. Every single year, you're probably getting that letter in the mail that says your cost of service is going up. Over the course of the last few months, everything has gone up. This is what I want you to know about Breda Pest Management because the resource they have at their disposal, the fact they've been in business since the 1970s, the fact they've got 100-plus employees spread out across the metro Atlanta and the state of Georgia, that creates a certain level of strength that can be leveraged to your benefit. When you make the switch to Breda Pest Management for your termite protection, for your pest control service, you're going to save money instantly just for doing that. So my invitation to you, and you should do this, is reach out to them online, BredaPest.com. That's B-R-E-D-A, BredaPest.com, and you can get involved with our friends at Breda Pest Management. All right, here on the show, coming up in a couple of minutes, we have not had him on in a while, but I've been wanting to catch up with him today. Seems like a really good day to do that. We're going to welcome in Chip Towers here coming up in a moment from our friends at the AJC. There are a couple of things in particular I want to talk to Chip about, and we'll do that here in just a little bit. But before that, though, I do want to go around the doghouse. And there are a couple of pretty uh, important um, 
injury updates that Kirby Smart gave yesterday. We're going to get more later on in the week, kind of some of the stuff that Kirby said. His only media availability of the week kind of came last night, and we're going to get more deeply into that. But for now, I know one of the things that's on the, a lot of fans' mind, my mind included, is kind of what's going on on the injury front right now. So let's get ready to do this. First of all, A.D. Mitchell, wide receiver, Jalen Carter, most important defensive player. Think about Kendall Milton, who didn't play this past Saturday. Handful of injuries here right now. Kirby Smart was good enough to give us some information on that yesterday. So let me let you hear Kirby on the topic of these injuries right now. This is Kirby from last night. Uh, very promising old smile. He went today more than he's gone in two weeks and was in drills and did things and moved around. I would not say that he was 100%, but the fact he was out there, did punt team, he covered, he covered people. He He's not 100%, but he did way more than he's done uh, the last few weeks. I feel, feel really good about where Smile's at. Um, I didn't get to see AD much. He's still not able to uh, go in our drill work. Uh, he did condition with us and run and, and looked better. Um, uh, Jalen's continuing to, to, to work on the MCL, and, and he's not out there with us conditioning. He does his in the training room and the weight room. He does stuff with those guys because of uh, where he's at with the MCL. Who's the last one? Kendall uh, felt better. He ran uh, yesterday and today, but he did not uh, He did not practice and rep with us. He did uh, just straight line running. You know that one gif that a lot of people use? It's popular where it's like Eli Manning, and he's getting excited, and then he kind of like deflates a little bit. You can sort of visually see him kind of come down off the uh, the high feeling that he was experiencing. I kind of got that, listen to that clip. I mean, Kirby gives you smile, mind, and you're like, yeah, that sounds great. And then it's A.D. Mitchell, eh, and then Jalen Carter, eh, and then, uh, you know, Kendall Milton, eh, you know. And the issue that you got with both Mitchell and Carter and Milton is sort of all related to limitations at practice. And that's what really matters to me here right now is I'm not a doctor. I, I don't have any idea, you know, where these guys are on their road to medical recovery. But if they're this limited in practice right now, you kind of wonder how healthy they could be for next Saturday um, against Florida. And when Connor Riley was with us yesterday, he kind of acknowledged a little bit of pessimism maybe on the part of Mitchell, but it's, he sort of struck a more hopeful tone uh, when it relates to Jalen Carter. I was a little bit surprised by what he said. And, you know, based on what uh, Kirby just said about Carter right there, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just misreading all of this. And if you think that I am, I, I'd love to hear from you on that. But you certainly sort of get the impression that right now you're talking about, you know, a limitation on kind of a full return to practice for any of those guys. And if you're not quite fully back at practice yet, then think about the journey you still have to go on to be ready to play again next Saturday. As, as I said, I'll, and I'll ask Chip Towers about this when he joins us here coming up in a couple of minutes, that maybe for me this is all just a little bit of a, of, of a misread. But, but that is sort of the sense that I get is that I didn't quite get the news I was hoping for when it relates to A.D. Mitchell. We saw Mitchell try to give it a go against Auburn a couple of weeks ago and that was a little bit of a false start just not quite ready to do that as of yet Kirby also mentioned kind of a different injury that he was dealing with but didn't seem like he was even running you know quite as well as a fully healthy wide receiver would and then last Saturday obviously he was kind of pulled back and you expect that to happen but in the case of Jalen Carter I don't know that we've yet heard that news about him moving in that direction where you're like yeah that's the really big first sign that he's on his way back and I kind of briefly asked the question yesterday that does Georgia have kind of an 
irreplaceable player on this team right now. I think one of the great strengths of the 2021 team is is that I don't believe it had an irreplaceable player. I don't believe there was any one player that that Georgia could have lost that would have completely ended its chance of of winning a national championship. Jordan Davis may have been the closest thing that Georgia had a year ago, but I don't even know that he would necessarily be you know that necessarily. I just don't know that Georgia had a truly irreplaceable player. Well, when you think about you know what's about to happen with Florida and Tennessee and programs like that that Georgia has upcoming on its schedule, you know does Carter feel like an irreplaceable player on this year's team? Georgia's played with them for a while, so maybe you say no, they're getting used to not playing with him. But gosh, I still feel like he's sort of the best overall guy on this program. And eventually, you'd like to hear some good news on that. I don't know that yesterday we did, although maybe I'm just misinterpreting all this. One more injury thing here: wide receiver Lad McConkey and. Kirby continues to reiterate the fact that he doesn't think the McConkey thing is is all that serious. This is Kirby again on that topic. Lad's good. Lad could have gone back in. Lad's fine. But Lad has a, a toe injury. I mentioned to you guys before. This is different than the ankle. So with the ankle and the toe, we're giving him some medicine and taking care of him, and uh, he's going to cut back some this week. But, again, he could have come back in the game, and he he could play this Saturday if we are playing this Saturday. But we're going to – to shut him down for a little bit for a couple of days and try to get uh, some medicine in there and uh, try to get him back for the, the stretch run so he can go. So one of the things that Kirby also talked about yesterday is at some point in time we'll get more into that this week, but he kind of talked about the value of being a space player. You know, you're tempted to want to say, hey, let's just put a thousand tight ends in the field and let these guys do all their stuff. But one of the things that Kirby kind of talked about was, hey, you know, you got to have guys that can kind of make some things happen in space, you know, what they're able to create. Like go back to the Oregon game here for a moment. That's something that McConkey proved to be really, really valuable with. And um, as you start thinking about later on the season, getting more of that from him is probably pretty important too. I know he had a little bit of a rough stretch there for a while, but I don't think that changes the fact that McConkey is still a really important player on the Georgia roster. So if you're a Georgia fan kind of looking for some good injury news where you can get it, Maybe that on Lad McConkey, a, a little bit of an example of that, because finding a way to strike your own big plays when you're competing against a team like, say, Tennessee, or really any team left on the Georgia schedule that's going to want to strike for their big plays, that's going to be pretty important. So maybe some good news on Lad McConkey there on that front. All right, we're going to catch up with Chip Towers here, hopefully coming up in just a moment. Let me also remind you that oftentimes here on a Wednesday, it's a chance for us to talk to Mike Griffith. Now, Mike not able to be with us today. Mike's taking a little bit of time off here today. So we're not going to do a Georgia Farm Bureau Insider Update with Mike here today, but that doesn't mean I don't want you to check out our friends at Georgia Farm Bureau when it comes to your insurance needs. Georgia Farm Bureau, a great name to know for all of that because, listen, we're Georgians. I've lived in Georgia my entire life. You know, I've been a part of communities here in our state for as long as I can remember, I'm talking about, you know, going to church or youth league sports or all, all the things that kind of make a community a community, being involved in the local schools and things like that. And that's the same thing our friends at Georgia Farm Bureau, Bureau are doing for you there as well. And what comes to like the insurance products, when it comes to, to those kinds of things, it's so nice to know you've got someone on the other end of that phone call or the other end of that conversation that kind of knows what your life is like. They know the value of your vehicle because that's what you're using to get to work each and every day. That's your livelihood. That's how you support your family. Well, Georgia Farm Bureau understands that. So when you get your auto insurance through them, you're working with someone who kind of gets the story of your life. Same thing for your home insurance and things like that. It's one of the reasons why we say 
that Georgia Farm Bureau is always the home team, always the home team. Uh, You can find them online at gfbinsurance.com. That is gfbinsurance.com. Our friends at Georgia Farm Bureau are going to take really good care of you. Uh, They're going to show you the way in which they can really step up to the plate and serve you uh, because they're Georgians who want to take care of other Georgians. So make sure you check out our friends at Georgia Farm Bureau today online, gfbinsurance.com. That is gfbinsurance.com. All right, uh, before we're done today, a couple of things. There is some sort of mid-season... I don't want to call them awards because you can't get an award in the middle of the season, but there are some superlatives. That's maybe the word to give. Superlatives going out here, and it relates to a couple of Georgia players. We'll kind of give you some of that. Florida trying to maybe grasp, hold on to the past as it gets ready to take on Georgia coming up in a couple of weeks. We'll give you an example to laugh at as it relates to that. But on the serious note, a lot at stake here for Georgia in the coming weeks. Some history potentially being made. Uh, a guy who understands the ramifications of all that, our good friend Chip Towers from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Great to get a chance to catch up with him today. Happy to have all of you with us as part of Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pest Management. And a good friend of mine and a great, great uh, voice on the Georgia Beat, knowing the story of this team, not just this year, but all years. It's Chip Towers. You can read him at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You can increasingly see him. Doing some video stuff there with the AJC there as well. Our good friend Sarah Spencer, uh, those two get together and do that a lot. Chip, welcome back to the show. Thank you for being here and hope you're getting a chance to enjoy a little bit of an off week here right now. I don't really know that off week means the same thing that maybe it used to, but uh, but uh, nonetheless, good to have you on the program here today. Yeah, thank you, Brandon. It, it, it's certainly a little bit slower uh, you know, during the off week, but as Kirby reminds us at every turn, off week doesn't mean – no practice, no work, and that extends to me and you as well. That's exactly right. And I guess along these lines, here's what I'm kind of curious about uh, from you, I guess, first of all. So we've now seen Georgia this year for seven games. That means that, like, whatever compares we would have been tempted to make between them and 2021, that's a little bit more far removed. We now have enough of a data set, sample size for this team that we can make evaluations of the current team that's sort of independent of whatever it was last year in a national championship season how ready do you think georgia appears to be for what's about to be a very different stretch of season than the one that's gone through up to this point yeah and uh, brandon you're right that's kind of the context that everything has to be put in because we're all kidding ourselves if we think that you know georgia has played uh, a, a difficult part of its schedule the more difficult part uh lay in front of them and so everything has to be taken in in that perspective that said i mean i you know i think in a lot of ways georgia might have outperformed my expectations for them certainly from a defensive standpoint i thought there would be a little bit more of a struggle again in the context of who you've played they certainly haven't been going against the juggernauts the offensive juggernauts they're going to face going forward. But, I mean, man, you know, you're giving up nine points a game. Uh, last year they gave up 10.7 over the course of the whole season, and it, it was described as a generational defense, and you're doing most of that without your best defensive player, Jalen Carter. So, I, you know, I think that's positive. I think those young linebackers are playing great. I think the D-line is, is playing pretty good. And the offensive line, especially here of late, seems to – have come alive that was a little bit of a question mark coming into the season so all in all I mean I I would say Georgia is in good shape for the gauntlet that awaits them but it's still a gauntlet and you know and it has to be run and and you know there's still answers to be uh, I mean questions 
to be answered during that run. Yeah, and you mentioned Jalen Carter a moment ago. Chip, I really think that injuries are a part of the story for Georgia right now. And I don't mean that it's the kind of injuries that remove them from contention or anything like that. But, you know, I, I do think there's a chance this team might be a little bit more – I guess, dependent on a guy like that than maybe they were a year ago when the the defense was so well-balanced. You had so many great players that maybe you could have played a big game without somebody. And, you know, offensively, I sort of feel the same way a little bit about A.D. Mitchell. I mean, last year Georgia missed George Pickens for almost the entirety of the season and clearly absorbed that okay. But, gosh, when you think about having to score points, the likes of which you might have to score to keep up with a team like Tennessee, having Mitchell healthy would be important. I don't know that Kirby gave Georgia fans a great – update on either Carter or Mitchell yesterday it certainly didn't sound like great news maybe it's not bad news but it didn't sound like great news and I do think that if you're a Georgia fan trying to process what's going on right now I do think especially when it comes to Mitchell and especially when it comes to Carter I do think you have to think about injury status right now as a little bit of a determining factor into just how well you are set up for what comes next yeah I mean that's definitely the truth And, and and look it's the truth for everybody especially at this point you know Seven games in, you're going to be playing without players. Tennessee's playing without players. Florida's playing without without players. They depend on. But I think you know, with regard to Georgia, uh, you know, pretty much if you kind of pointed to a player on the offense and a player on the defense that you really couldn't afford to lose, I would say A.D. Mitchell and Jalen Carter probably fill that role pretty well. Uh, you know, A.D. Mitchell, listen, you know, the guy six foot four, 190 pounds. He's a true X, a true split in. And whether it's George Pickens or A.D. Mitchell, you have to have that guy that you kind of know if you're Stetson Bennett, no matter what the down and distance, whatever you have to have, no matter what the coverage, no matter how much coverage they're drawing, you know you can throw to that guy and have a pretty good chance to have a catch. Now, the good news is I think Georgia has some other guys like that this year, certainly Darnell Washington and Brock Bowers and a few other guys. But, you know, he's a guy you really didn't want to be playing without certainly at this point of the season still. And then the flip side, Jalen Carter, I mean, you know, I mean, everybody knows who Jalen Carter is. I agree with you. Uh, that wasn't a great report yesterday when you find out that Jalen Carter's still not on the practice field. In fact, he's in the training room. Now, the good news about that is everybody knows what Georgia has in Jalen Carter, and Jalen Carter knows what he's doing, you know, once he gets on the field. But, you know, you're also talking about a guy who's a uh, – supremely high NFL uh, prospect. You know, you have to protect these guys' health. You don't want to rush them back. Ultimately, it's going to be up to Jalen Carter and Ron Corson about whether he can go. Now, there's a, you know, in the old days, you know, you'd say, tape it up and go, kid. It's a yeah. big game. Um, but, you know, it's, that's not really the way it works anymore nowadays. So it's just going to be something we have to watch close. The flip side of that is, you know, Zion Logue, Nazir Stackhouse, uh, Dylan Bell, all these guys that are in there getting those reps, the, the point is eventually both those guys are going to be, be back, whether it's against Florida or further down the run. I mean, you know, everybody's circling that November 5th game against Tennessee. I think it's pretty pretty clear that both of those guys should be able to be back for the Tennessee game. Mm-hmm. But this Florida game, you know, let's not forget, it is those, what do you call them, the lousy, stinking Gators? That's right, Jim. You still got to play this one, you know, and and, uh, and crazy things have happened in that series, uh, certainly since 1933. So Kirby Smart would hate what I'm about to ask you, but this is one of the things I did want to talk to you about today. Uh, If you look past Florida for a moment, which you and I are, of course, allowed to do, 
I just think that I think measurably November 5th is going to be the biggest home game in Sanford Stadium history. I know it sounds like it shouldn't be true, but Chip, as you're probably well aware, there have only been two previous top five matchups in the history of the stadium. Most recent was in 1983. The only other one came in 1942. None of those came when Georgia was ranked number one, which by virtue of the AP poll, they probably will be. Now, the college football playoff poll, which comes out prior to that game, who knows how they'll handle this. They have a tendency to be a little bit different than the human poll sometimes. But I just think measurably this kind of stands up as the kind of game we haven't seen very much in Sanford Stadium history. And one of the things I was kind of curious about to hear from you is, is kind of where that lands with you because, I mean, you know, you will be able to kind of go back through the handles of your mind and think about the way, the way that maybe, hey, games that didn't have the same, like, ranking prestige this game is going to have did certainly have the buildup in the moment. I mean, what comes close to you to what, assuming both these teams keep winning that what could happen here on November 5th with the, uh, the, the, the likes of which this game has a chance to be. Yeah, well, it, it, it will be certainly with the rankings, you know, the, the biggest game I've ever witnessed in San Francisco. Cause look, I, I fully expect those teams to be one and two. If they take care of business between yeah. now and then they should be one and two. And, and let's just say they do what Vegas thinks, right? So I mean, Georgia, has a 17-point win over Florida, and, right. and Tennessee has a, a similar win over a home win over Kentucky. Then those teams get ready. You're right; that comes out the same week as the college football playoff poll. And you know, all the other polls are fun, but the college football playoff rankings—not a poll, excuse me—rankings—are uh, the only ones that really matter. And I wouldn't be surprised if all Tennessee gets the number one nod on that, based on who they play. It does take strength of schedule into account and right. it, as well as the human polls and everything else so there's a good chance Tennessee could actually be ranked one in the college football playoff rankings doesn't matter one two whatever they are they're going to play each other and it's a, it's effectively almost an elimination game I mean the playoffs are upon us now or they certainly will be then because that's about getting to Atlanta and possibly you know your college football playoff resume so for all those reasons it's huge now listen I've you know, I mean, uh, immediately the the uh, Mettenberger versus Murray yeah. LSU game springs to mind. You know, there's been a bunch of times where Sanford Stadium was just on its on its ear. You know, with excitement. But I I don't see anything that it, I wasn't there. Unlike people believe, I wasn't there for that '83 game. You know, and I wasn't <laughs> I, I wasn't there for I wasn't there for a lot of those other great games. Certainly, I think Alabama in 76 was yeah. another one that was just like a crazy, crazy game and environment. But this Chip, one, I know, talk, is going to be hard to beat. Yeah, Chip, I talked to uh, Tony Barnhart about this the other day because he obviously you know does have uh, a little bit longer you know tenure on some of this kind of stuff. He mentioned sure. the, the Georgia-Auburn game in 1971. And I, I, it's one of those things like – I like going back and reading about some of this kind of stuff. And so when he mentioned that, I went back and read about it. Like from a ranking standpoint, it's not quite what this game has the, the potential to be. But there was a crazy amount of hype. There's a bunch of crazy stories about, you know, like Georgia fans aggravating the Auburn team hotel before the game and things like that. So there's no shortage of like folklore around that game. Georgia didn't win. Pat uh, Sullivan used that game as a springboard of the Heisman. Uh, so there's no shortage of folklore about certain games from the past. But from a ranking standpoint, they just won't quite have what this one has. Yeah, no. And, and, and what's different, you know, nowadays, you know, college football is what it is. It's changed in so many ways. But, you know, 
the college football playoff changes everything. You know, could you imagine if we were talking about a 12-team playoff yeah. right now? It'd be kind of different. But That's as right. it is, it's just four. And, uh, you know, there's scenarios where three SEC teams can get in there right now. But, the, you know, the bottom line is you got to keep it simple. And the simple is getting to Atlanta. And that game on November 5th is going to go a long way to deciding that. And uh, as well, will this one in, in uh, the cocktail party right. in Jacksonville? I mean, you know, you really do have to take care of business first. And Florida's at that point now that look they're living to to spoil somebody else's party that's that's what they're that's what they're living and breathing for at this moment so you can't take that for granted they have they've played a tougher slate probably than georgia has and um, they have some good things about them now they have some vulnerable things about them as well and georgia's just going to need to 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 really be on their best game to get through that not only get through it and win it but you know come out well and and hopefully more healthy on the other side of it than they're going into it. Hey, Chip, for the people who want even more Georgia coverage, remind them how they can find you at the AJC and all the cool stuff that you guys are doing here this season because I want people to be aware of that. Yeah, well, you know, you can follow everything I do at C Towers AJC on Twitter. And, you know, we have a uh, uh, the UGA Sports News Now Facebook page. I've resurrected the old Towers Take Live on oh, there, there now. Go. And as you mentioned, you know, I'm doing a lot of video with, with uh, uh, the great Sarah Spencer, which, uh, you know, I hate to to uh, cut down on the beauty factor of those shots, but she does a fantastic job of uh, summing up Georgia just like you do, and and uh, those are those come out just, just about every day nowadays. Well, Chip, it's great to have you on here. I really appreciate your time and hope you uh, do get a chance to enjoy a weekend maybe without some Georgia football, and then we'll see you down in Jacksonville coming up in a couple of weeks' time as well. That's the plan. See you, pal. Yes, sir. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Good to catch up with Chip Towers here on the show. Chip and I talk fairly frequently, but uh, don't get a chance to speak to him on air as much as maybe we used to in the past years ago. So fun to get a chance to do that here today. And, of course, I'm glad to have all of you with us there, too. Maybe we'll even invite Chip to be a part of our Dog Nation cruise coming up in May. Or I should say April, excuse me. Where did May come from? It's not May. It's April. It's April. Uh, you think after I talk about this every day for how many different months in a row, I'd, I'd get it right. But nonetheless, it's time to go cruising around the SEC. Courtesy of Royal Caribbean, I'll remind you that we are leaving April 24th uh, on Independence of the Seas out of Port Canaveral, uh, getting ready for a great time there. and want you to be a part of it there, too. Now, listen, here's the thing there as well is you don't have to wait till April to go on your next Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. I've got one coming up at the end of the season, looking forward to one kind of on the other side of like the recruiting stuff in February. February is kind of like my vacation, I don't want to say month because I don't take a whole month off, but it's where I kind of look to enjoy a little bit of vacation. It's kind of like one of those things that's sort of like right in between sort of the big pillars of my year. Uh, and so I like to kind of do that. And whatever your time frame is, uh, it's a great time to be on a Royal Caribbean cruise. I mean, it's cold in Georgia today. Part of the reason why I like going on cruises in like December and February and things like that is I hate cold weather. <laughs> I don't want to be cold. I want to be warm. I want to be basking in the sunshine of the Caribbean. I want to be floating on a you know a, a float somewhere in the ocean. That's what I want to be doing. And, of course, that's what Royal Caribbean gives me a chance to do. So you can do that, too, with us in April, if nothing else. RoyalDogs.com. That's the website. RoyalDogs.com. You want to find out more about the Dog Nation Cruise, about why it's going to be so much fun, what we did last year that made it so much fun. You want to do all of that, that's the website to do. RoyalDogs.com. And there's a great travel agent. Her name is Jessica Slater. She's specially selected for us by Royal Caribbean 
to book our second ever Dog Nation cruise. The biggest one we've ever done, going to be done right here in 2020, uh, be spring of 2023. We want you to be a part of it. So give Jessica a call, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. She can tell you about all the cool stuff on board Independence of the Seas and how you can be a part of the special Dog Nation events that we're doing there on the second ever Dog Nation cruise coming up this April. All right, so let's give you a couple of things here for a moment. We got a couple of mid-season superlatives that have kind of come out here, and I think a couple of these are pretty interesting. So the Joe Moore Award, and you'll remember back during spring practice, uh, Cedric Von Prong Granger, the Georgia Center, said it was specifically the goal of Georgia to win that Joe Moore Award. They wanted to be acknowledged as the nation's best offensive line. I think goals are important in life, and I think expressing those goals clearly is probably a good step towards achieving them and that's what van prine granger did and so far so good because the joe moore award has announced its mid-season honor roll and there's a handful of teams on here five of which come from the sec one of those is arkansas which is not a contender right now but i did notice this the other four sec teams that are on here georgia alabama tennessee and ole miss and those are the four teams that are also in a roundabout way competing for a spot in the sec championship game too and then inside track to make the college ball playoff there is a strong possibility that more than one of those teams makes the playoff but we know that those four are kind of in it and you know, it's probably bama tennessee georgia more so than anybody else but still we'll put Ole Miss in that category for right now so my question to you is simply this do you think it's oversimplified to say that of those four teams competing for a spot in the sec championship looking for a spot in the college football playoff, but also potentially with the nation's best offensive line, Ole Miss, Bama, Georgia, Tennessee. Is it oversimplification to say the offensive line that plays the best from those four down the stretch will be the one that wins the SEC and most likely in the college football playoff? That may seem like it's oversimplified, but I believe it might be true. And if you want to think about this from the Georgia-centric perspective here for a moment, that's your task you got to have an offensive line that plays better than the other guys do. And when you play Tennessee in a couple of weeks, and likely Alabama in December, don't disrespect Ole Miss, you've got to do something to make their offensive line look bad. We're gonna, I promise you, we're going to spend a lot of time over the course of the next couple of weeks talking about the need to generate that pass rush, talking about the need to do big things up front defensively, somehow, someway. Not an easy task necessarily, but when you play Tennessee, you've got to make their offensive line look bad. That's guys like Darnell Wright, some of the names you know. You got to make them look bad. When you play Alabama, if you do, you got to make them look bad. And for the Georgia offensive line, it's got to find a way to look good when it matters most. That's what the national championship game was, right? When, when, when the national championship game came around, how did Georgia assert itself late? How did it upend the Alabama momentum? How did it bring home the national championship? Kick Jamari Salyer into the guard position, by the way, c- continuing to play very well as a rookie in the NFL, as we sort of thought he would. You kick Jamari inside, you put uh, uh, Broderick Jones at tackle, boom. You assert yourself physically on the line of scrimmage offensively. That's what it is, right? Of these, you know, there are five SEC teams on the kind of the midseason honor roll here. Four of those are in contention for postseason stuff. And if you look at Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, all of these offensive lines getting talked about right now, offensive line that plays the best down the stretch is the one with the inside track to be back in the college football playoff and the inside track to be sec champion coming up in a couple of weeks i don't think it's too oversimplified to say it that way also the associated press has come out with a mid-season all-american team now i don't remember ever doing this in the past but i'm sure they probably have maybe i just missed it i'm not quite so sure you know there's a whole lot of stock you put into like mid-season all-american 
But it did notice that while there are a lot of SEC names on here, Hendon Hooker's the quarterback, Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee is also the wide receiver. You've got Osiris Torrance, the center from Florida. Jameer Gibbs is sort of the all-purpose player. Will Anderson's the edge player. By the way, Will Anderson is not exactly having a Will Anderson season right now. Don't let's not get that let that get lost in the shovel. He wasn't a huge factor in that Texas game or the Tennessee game. Don't think you know. Don't let that escape your attention. That as of yet, Will Anderson hasn't exactly been Will Anderson, but maybe he will before the season's done. The point here is is that while there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight SEC names on this list from the Associated Press. Only one of those names is a Georgia player, and that is Christopher Smith, the safety. Now, did somebody get snubbed or whatever else? I I honestly don't know. That's not really my point here right now. My point is this. If you want to see Georgia go for two in 22, you're going to have to have some big-time individual performers emerge. It's one of the reasons why we push getting the ball to Brock Bowers more, because he's the guy on offense we think has the best chance of doing that defensively. It's one of the reasons why you want to see – you know, Nolan Smith had that big statement in the second half of the season. Or, you know, Jalen Carter come back from injury because he's obviously, you know, maybe the guy that's most likely to do there. One of the freshmen stepping up in a big way, like a Mikael Williams or, you know, Malachi Starks is somebody you have to put in that category. But right now, I would say Georgia is one of the areas which they're kind of falling short of the national championship standard is with individual players playing at a superstar level. Last year, you had it. You had five first-round picks on defense. You had the number one overall pick. You had the Buckus Award winner. You had individual players kind of playing at a superstar level. Uh, Bowers had, what, 15 touchdowns, I think, a year ago. That's a superstar-type performance. Individual players playing at a superstar level. And right now, one of the ways in which Georgia's kind of not quite at that standard right now is the individual guys who are really going out there and having these massive massive performance it's not easy to measure that necessarily but you sort of know it when you see it and right now Georgia just needs a little bit more of that you need more game wrecking players uh game wrecking plays defensively you need a little bit more highlight stuff on offense you know one mid-season all-american to the extent that you take this seriously whatsoever is a little bit of a snapshot of what Georgia still can do you can have some individual guys step up. Every national champion, you've heard us say this before, has about a half dozen first-team All-SEC guys, about a half dozen first-round picks, either in this upcoming draft or an eventual draft. You've got top-end performers on a national championship team. Who are your top-end performers on Georgia right now? It's time It's time to figure that out. It's time to find out who that is. If you're looking for a, a step that Georgia hasn't taken yet that it still needs to take, I'd say that's probably an example of that. One more thing here really quick. So yesterday we told you on the show that um, Florida is only 3-11 in its last 14 SEC games, which is worth laughing at. And we were just kind of talking about that a little bit. And I saw where Steve Spurrier was asked about this. He was on the Pat Dooley podcast. Pat Dooley covered Florida for 8 million years and does a podcast now. And Spurrier was on the show. And he asked Spurrier about that record. He's like, you know, it used to take us, I forget exactly what the quote was, but something to the effect of, oh, it used to take us 10 or 11 years to lose 10 or 11 conference games, uh, something along those lines. And I was thinking to myself, this is really, this is kind of when you know you're getting pretty close to rock bottom as a program in Florida is, although they, they hope they are anyway. They hope this is rock bottom. It doesn't get worse from here. 
But when you start doing the remember wins, you know, the the boy, and listen, I, I love the past too. I, I sit here and talk to you about old stuff, you know, all day long. If it's 100 years old, I love it. Uh, so I don't, I'm not against the past necessarily, far from it, uh, to be truthful. But when, when the only thing you can do is trot out the old coach and have him say, boy, remember how good it used to be? That's an indication that things right now aren't as good as they're supposed to be. And uh, things are not great for Billy Napier right now, and they're probably about to get worse with with uh, Georgia coming up. And as we said on the show yesterday, we think it's Georgia's job to actually make it worse. You know, hold them down even longer. You know, prevent any first year momentum for building for Napier whatsoever. And coming up in a couple of weeks' time, that's exactly what Georgia has a chance to do, and we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of royal caribbean and don't forget that on friday here on the dog nation video channels friday night in particular even though there's no georgia game to pick we do have uh some big spreads to give you here so uh we do have some spreads we want to give you here uh and some games we'll be talking about we'll still make some picks for the games this weekend even though even though there is no georgia game in fact let's give you a little bit of a preview of this these are some of the games we're going to pick when it comes to uh Go with the flow here on Friday. We'll give you a couple of early looks at this. Uh, one of our video commenters before the show began today was talking about South Carolina hosting Texas A&M. I believe this is a trophy game. Is this something for like, is it Davy Crockett? I thought he was from Tennessee. Or is it Daniel? Some sort of trophy. They, they play for some sort of trophy. I think somebody from South Carolina fought in the Alamo, and now they have a trophy for South Carolina, Tennessee. Or I should say South Carolina, Texas A&M. I believe I'm right about that. Either way, Gamecocks three-point underdog at home against the Aggies. How about Alabama trying to shake off the doldrums against Texas A&M as a 21-point home favorite? Of course, the Bulldogs trying to shake things off there as well. They were a touchdown favorite at least this time a week ago at Kentucky. Lost the game outright, so they got some work to do there. Magnolia Bowl sees LSU as a favorite against Ole Miss. That can't be right. Is that right? That can't be right. Let's check that. Let's check that. Um, uh, Ole Miss going to LSU on Saturday. Game is in LSU. Uh, we might want to check that there a little bit. And then uh, Iowa's at Ohio State as a 29-point uh, favorite of the Buckeyes. Somebody joked online that Ohio State will probably win 29 nothing. <laughs> Just get the fact that Iowa can't score against anybody. Although they do have a very good defense. So this is an amazing clash of styles between the Buckeyes and the uh, Hawkeyes, number 29. And uh, then Clemson in an ACC test against the surprising undefeated Syracuse Orange, our operations guy around here, B.J. Swinney, big Syracuse fan. So I know he's happy to see uh, Syracuse and the year they're having under Dino Babers getting a chance to play Clemson on Saturday. Can I see that full screen one more time? Because I just want to make sure I give the spread. 13 and a half for the Tigers hosting Syracuse there on Saturday. And we'll check that Magnolia Bowl spread for you between Ole Miss and LSU. I have a suspicion that's maybe not quite right. Uh, but either way um, – uh, fun slate of games. We'll pick those for you on my bookie coming up on um, uh, the weekend. Go with the flow presented by R.S. Andrews there as well. And by the way, whatever the spreads are and however you want to get involved here this weekend, you get a chance to do that with our friends at my bookie. Open up a brand new account. You're going to get a big deposit bonus. That means uh, up to a thousand dollars, they'll match your deposit. You put in five hundred dollars, they'll put in five hundred dollars for you. You literally have a thousand dollars before you even place and win your first bet. And that's how it works with my book. It could not be simpler. You play, you win, you get paid. You take advantage of the big deposit bonus, but you've got to use the promo code DOGNATION in order to be able to do that. So simply find my bookie online. Just type it into your browser. The internet will do the work for you. And then after that, open up your account, 
put in your money, 600 bucks, they'll give you 600 bucks. Uh, $800, they'll give you $800. All the way up to $1,000, they'll do that for you. And then you simply, you play, you win, you get paid. It is winning season there at my bookie. Anything, anywhere, anytime. Uh, you can do that with our friends there at my bookie. So make sure you check that out today. Also, one more thing to check out before we wrap up here. Heading towards the weekend, we're always loving our friends at the Finish Long Drink. Think about the cocktail party coming up in a couple of weeks. Our cocktail of choice is the Finish Long Drink, whether it's the Long Drink Cranberry, the Long Drink Strong, Long Drink Zero, no carbs, no sugar, the traditional in the blue can, got the grapefruit flavor with the gin kick. All of that stuff goes great there on all of that. And we want to celebrate you coming up this Friday there as well as you enjoy the finished long drink. However you enjoy it, whatever your choice is on all of that, whatever you're doing here on this off week for Georgia, having some fun and uh, taking care of some really good stuff, well, make sure you are uh, sharing those photos with us and we'll celebrate you on a segment we like called the Big Finish presented by the Finish Long Drink. So we'll see you there on Friday for that. Hit me up on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily. Share those with me. And I'll share them with everybody else of you enjoying the finished long drink. We'll continue to get the word out that the finished long drink, a great way to make any day feel like the weekend. Of course, you haven't tried some. If you go to the website, thelongdrink.com, put in your zip code. You can find out where you can pick up some day. That's thelongdrink.com for more with our friends at the finished long drink. And we'll see you Friday for the big finish presented by the finished long drink coming up there as well. So we have a great golden shoe today. And I want to show this to you. So, Somebody was kind enough to share this with me yesterday. I want to read this to you, then I want to kind of zoom in and let you see this a little bit closer. So let me show the uh, first one here to you. Of uh, a big dog fan that just celebrated a great wedding. Adrian Mitchum sends this to me. He says, I married my beautiful wife, Lois, last Friday. Check out that perfect groom's cake. And you better believe that while giving my speech, I reminded everyone that it's 5,027 days, which was the number at that point, since those lousy, stinking gators last won a national championship. He gives you hashtag go for two and 22 hashtag forever Mitchum. What an awesome, awesome wedding that appears to be. And I want to zoom in. Let's show the next screen here. How about this groom's cake? For those of you not watching on video, this is art. Uh, you got the bottom layer that's kind of got like the uh, motif of the Georgia pants with the silver britches and the stripes going down. The national championship trophy on top. It's amazing what cake technology is these days. And I don't think I've seen a better looking cake than that. Looks like a very happy couple and a gorgeous, unbelievable wedding. So our heartfelt celebration on all of that, that just looks incredible. So thank you so much for sharing that. Golden shoes all the way around for that and extra points for using using the hashtag go for two in 22. And by the way, how about a Gator Hater update? It was 5,027 days. Then it's 5,032 days right now. Florida has been dealing with misery for as long as anybody can remember. And we love that around here. And we'll remind you, that 10 days from right now, Georgia back in Jacksonville. We love the cocktail party, and we can't wait to be there to watch Georgia beat up on Florida again. Y'all have a great day. We will see you back here tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Past Management. And on the podcast, time now for the RS Andrews podcast, Cool Down. We'll take your comments here either on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily or in the comment section at dognation.com. And I'm doing uh, Give Me Five again this week, and Seaman uh, Rosie asked a really good question. He says, well, the brain trust and players regain the confidence exhibited against Oregon because I don't think we beat Tennessee without it. In other words, was this a more confident team when Georgia beat Oregon to begin the season than it is now? In some respects, you'd say it might be. Obviously, Georgia scored touchdowns on seven consecutive drives to begin the game there that day. Offensively, they haven't quite matched that same firepower since then. That seems fair to point out. 
But there are other elements in which um, Georgia has been better in other games than it was against Oregon. I think the rushing attack's been better the past, the past couple of weeks than it probably was against Oregon. They didn't really run the ball very much, run, run the ball all that effectively uh, against Oregon. And while, you know, they almost pitched the shutout against Oregon, the truth is, is I thought defensively they played a really good game against uh, Auburn the other day and did officially pitch a shutout against Vanderbilt this past Saturday. Now that's opponent dependent. Vanderbilt's not very good. But I guess my point here is this, and maybe other Georgia fans have a different take on this than I do, but I sort of suspect that Georgia might be quietly a little bit more confident than you might think. I I, I think that there is a probably a level of confidence um, within the program that's maybe a little bit more substantial than some of the confidence that you see or lack of confidence than you see kind of outside of that. I mean, as a for instance here, I'm not saying that, that you know, anything about any one person in particular here, but you've heard all kinds of chatter about, oh, how good Tennessee is and all, all, all of this. But the truth is, is that, I mean, it's Georgia that's 10th nationally in points scored while being second nationally in points allowed. That's a really strong performance on both sides of the ball. It's the kind of performance that you might think would, lend a team to be a little bit confident in something you don't want to be overconfident of course but I don't gather right now that this team suffers from a lack of belief now maybe the players the coaches and all of us are curious to see what Georgia does when the games really matter most when the games are are of a different stakes level and a different competition level than they have been over course the last seven games that's probably fair but I get the suspicion that Georgia might be a little bit more confident inside the building you know, on its sideline as it approaches day to day, then maybe some fans give it credit for, or maybe even more confident in themselves than some fans are in Georgia right now. I'd be curious to hear if other Georgia fans have a similar point of view on that or how you would weigh on that topic on either side. So we can do that in the future. But for now, thanks for being here for our podcast cool down. And of course, a very big thanks to our friends at RS Andrews for making it all possible. Very cold this morning, very cold today. That means heating systems kicking on all across our great state and when yours kicks on maybe somebody's told you hey it may have kicked on for the last time well guess what uh, at rs andrews they may be able to tell you how you can breathe some new life into an old unit get it back tuned up to factory fresh specs so find them online at rsandrews.com and they can tell you a lot more about that hope you have a great day we will see you tomorrow dog nation daily presented by breda pest management and we'll talk to you then